Christian life than going to church and reading your Bible. Ever wondered just how involved God is in your daily life? Then you've come to the right place. Join me, Pastor Tom Marsis and Vicar Dylan Meyer, as we take an in-depth look at applying the scriptures to our daily lives, the Ten Commandments, baptism, Lord's Prayer, and more. Welcome to the Living Faith. Welcome to the Living the Faith Podcast. I'm Pastor Tom Marsis. Today we have a special episode. Uh, We're deviating a little bit from uh, going through the catechism and the main theologies of the church, but now we're diving into how do we put that mission into work? How do we live out our faith in that daily? And we're pleased to have Reverend Max Phillips. He is the executive director for Lutheran Family Service. Uh, They are starting to do some work here in the state of North Dakota with the North Dakota District. So we're real privileged to have Reverend Phillips with us today uh, to give us a little bit about his background and talk about Lutheran Family Service. No S. I was saying it incorrectly at the beginning here. All right. Uh, Reverend Phillips, Why don't you tell us a little bit as we're getting started, I'm really interested to hear about your educational background because not many pastors or uh, clergy are necessarily the executive directors of a social ministry organization. (laughs) That's probably a good thing, Tom. It's uh, one of those things that uh, it's certainly God's doing. Uh, I am um, basically, I've always been a a, a bivocational pastor, and I guess now I would say I was trivocational, but um, and I have an a MBA from the University of Iowa, it's obviously a seminary degree from Concordia Seminary in St. Louis, um, and I'm a parish pastor that uh, serves two congregations in central Iowa along with two uh, brother uh, associate pastors, and um, also I'm the CEO of Perry Lutheran Homes, which um, one of those congregations basically has surrounded um, as part of their, uh, as part of their social ministry, I guess, if you will. Uh, in 2013, I received the call to um, Lutheran Family Service, which um, I basically answered conditionally, that's saying I, I think I could do that and that I had the, um, the skill sets that God had given me to do it, but I, I couldn't abandon uh, the other things I was doing, but I saw a nice fit between them. And um, uh, they did too. And so they uh, called me. And so I've just celebrated my 10th uh, anniversary with them uh, this past uh, summer. So God is good. And social ministry really is, as you said, the way we live out our faith uh, in this world and with opportunities to show Christ and how our hands, hearts, feet, and our wallets uh, impact people's lives in a very positive and impactful way. So before you got the call, uh, as a parish pastor, what was your role in the congregation in helping them understand that, uh, the role of social ministry and your involvement in social ministry, even before you got to Lutheran Family Service? Yeah, one of the, the things as a parish pastor, you know, I was always interested in making sure that we uh, didn't see church as a place, as a Sunday um, activity. You know, church is the people of God in action uh, every day and and coming together for worship and, and fellowship to be nurtured and, and receive God's gifts and then go back out. Uh, so social ministry was always, uh, I think, uh, part of that, uh, that spiritual upbringing that the Holy Spirit gives. And there are opportunities in every congregation. One of the uh, things that I thought God was calling me to do with our congregation was to establish a relationship in Haiti. 
Um, you know, we our congregations are made up largely of farmers, and Haiti has a huge need to be sustained and have sustainable agriculture. And but then God made it pretty clear to me uh, one day when I got a call from the board chairman at the Perry Lutheran Homes. Uh, that I didn't have to go to Haiti, you know, a thousand miles away. I could simply go about four miles away. And there was an opportunity to uh, plug in in a very meaningful way. Um, I, I recall when I said that I would um, become CEO of the Perry Lutheran Homes, which is, of course, a care community that is from basically independent living, assisted living, uh, skilled care, and then very much a focus on dementia care. Uh, I came home and my wife, who was a pharmacist, said, basically said, I think you might be crazy. And I, yeah, obviously I, I may have heard that before, but she said, do you know anything about Medicaid or Medicare? And I said, not really. And she goes, boy, you're going to be a learner in this. And, and I have been. So really figuring out how can the people of God um, unite around a community of elders and those that are infirm in a loving and caring way and doing so uh, in a way that supervises and leads an organization of 250 staff people that operate 24 seven. Um, that's a little daunting, but you know, God works and there isn't a day that goes by that uh, God doesn't do something. Uh, I'll just give you one example on, I got an email. I'm actually down in Phoenix these three days. And, uh, I got an email from one of my employees that said, I need to talk to you. And I said, okay. And I Basically, she said, I want to know what my dad was reading in the Bible before he died. And this is a, a, a young woman who's an unbeliever, uh, but whose dad had a Bible open on his bedside uh, when he passed away. So the Holy Spirit does all kinds of things like that that are Absolutely. just really, really neat. And, you know, God's people connect in relationship um, as opposed to events. Relationship, I think, really is the key. How do we how do we earn the right to talk to people about Christ through our demonstration of his love and care. Well, one of the things I think that's very interesting, and I think that a lot of people that are connected to Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod do not understand, is the interrelationship between these social ministry organizations, the Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod, and how they're connected and how they're recognized. And uh, I think it can be rather confusing. Uh, I've been on the board for human care at Synod level, so I mean, I understand how that interworks, but would you explain uh, in simple terms that they can understand, because we all know how that can be rather complicated, uh, what kind of uh, manner and things that an organization like the two organizations that you help lead are recognized by Synod as valid ministries and then ones that we would be organized or connected to? Yeah, I think it's a, it's a process, Tom, that uh, basically looks at um, what is your mercy ministry, how does it engage the gospel or how does the gospel engage the ministry? It, it um, looks at the polity of your organization and um, makes sure that there's an affinity with the scriptures and an alignment. Um, and, you know, then there's a, basically it's a binding together of uh, the synod with the recognized service organization in ministry. And it's one of those things It's really it's it's neat. There's a. a woman at Senate, Deaconess Dorothy Kranz, who runs this, and she visits these organizations periodically, and she not only visits to make sure that there's, you know, compliance and fidelity and all those things, but she plants little seeds of opportunity that here's what these folks might be doing, or here's what you're, you know, I brought from you to another place. So 
she's kind of like a planter, a cedar, if you will. And uh, it's just a great relationship. I think that there's uh, room for a, uh, just a, a plethora of more serving uh, agencies from all of our congregations or circuits or districts and how we engage the world, uh, you know, for Christ and in a way that's um, opens the door through mercy work. And, and that's what we need to do. So our recognized service organizations, both of mine are, and we're very, um, that's what we want. We want to be an agency of Christ's love through the church. And that's what we do. And one of the things I think that our people should understand is that oftentimes you will hear them referred to not as recognized service organizations, but simply RSOs. And so when we're talking about RSOs, that's exactly what we're talking about. These organizations uh, that have been examined by Synod, walk with Synod, work with Synod, and that the theology and the, the statements behind it are very much interconnected with our faith life as uh LCMS Christians. There we go, another acronym. We love to use those acronyms. Uh, but it's also very important that when you hear RSO, that that's saying something. It's an organization that has had that interrelationship with Synod, and you know the kind of theology like that the uh, chaplains will be giving to the people that they are serving in that. And so uh, the fact that you're uh, involved with two of these RSOs, I think that is is very valuable to understand who is Max Phillips and what does he do. Uh, but I also have to commend you really uh, as a parish pastor, still having that connectivity to the parish, because I think that helps keep things in line and uh, balance, so to speak. And that, that really says something about who you are, because I think uh, for most of us, the best compliment any of us can say, you have a parish pastor's heart. And I think to do social ministry, I think you would agree, Max, that's what you have to have, a, a pastor's heart. Absolutely. I, I, I think it starts there and ends there. And, and I guess in the in between, you need to have some operation and business sense uh, and some uh, courage uh, in a lot of right. cases. Uh, but but definitely the, it's the heart of Christ that that uh, brings all of this. And, and the parish, to your point, is an anchor. It has to be an anchor. Um, there are too many folks that are in kind of executive ministry roles that sometimes, uh, you know, are, in my opinion, adrift from a place. And I don't think that does them any good. And uh, I, I, I think I think I always encourage folks in those roles to make sure they're in a congregation and active and there. Um, they may be gone quite a bit, but they better make sure that they're there some. They need that anchor. People well, of God the, are the anchor. The boots on the ground, so to speak. I mean, what are the challenges that our people in the pews are experiencing or feeling uh, when you have a, 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 someone whose parents are struggling with dementia? It's not necessarily just the person that's struggling with dementia. How is the family at large dealing with it? And and you see that in the pew as they're struggling as they come to worship and being able to have that connectivity, uh, being their pastor, encouraging them. I think that that really says a lot about trying to keep grounded as to where the direction that we're going. Agreed. Well, one of the things that we're at here today, I mean, we're really excited about the fact that Lutheran Family Service uh, is looking at uh, becoming more and more involved in the social ministry aspect of uh, joining us here in the North Dakota district and working with us and congregations and pastors, along with other uh, RSOs that are in the state as well, and kind of hand in hand, glove in glove, so to speak. Um, and so as we get started, uh, why don't you talk about what's the mission of Lutheran Family Service, and then uh, maybe even kind of move into 
how you have already started that process in a more in-depth way, so to speak, with South Dakota. I mean, we're in the process now in North Dakota, but you're deeper into that uh, with the South Dakota. Yeah, absolutely. Lutheran Family Service is uh, an organization that date back, dates back to 1901. Um, and if you look at that particular period in history, Lutherans were... Uh, we were changing the world. Um, you know, there are a number of Lutheran hospitals that were established around that time, a lot of orphanages, uh, a lot of ministries. And back in those days, of course, the government uh, wasn't a part of any of this. It was the it was communities and churches and the people uh, that were responding to the needs of folks in their communities. That's kind of what the tradition that we established um, beginning in Iowa. We actually predate the two Iowa districts, east and west. Before them, there was one Iowa district. And in 1901, we began serving as an orphanage. We continue in that work today, though not with orphanages. We um, do a lot of work, have a whole group that deals in adoption, uh, pregnancy counseling, uh, life ministry kind of thing, ad public advocacy. And uh, that's becoming more and more important uh, in this era where um, the culture is changing and there's a lot of actual cultural uh, dissension around life. And that life is not just the ones that sometimes is we most popularly look at, which is the abortion issue. Um, very active today are the folks that are dealing with uh, life on the uh, end of life uh, spectrum where folks are beginning to make inroads. I think now in 10 states, District of Columbia and all of Canada uh, around giving someone what they would perceive as death with dignity. In other words, killing yourself if suffering is there. So Lutheran Family Service does a lot of work on both ends of that spectrum, including uh, now in the adoption world, uh, working with our brothers and sisters at Lutheran Family Life, I'm sorry, uh, Lutherans for Life, excuse me, and uh, some of our Wisconsin Evangelical Lutheran Synod folks, and trying to figure out how does the church go from 49 years of saying no, 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 uh, to saying yes, and uh, providing um, a real emphasis around the Christian ministry and adoption. And we're hoping to have some big answers that are nationwide, because many of those folks that have been in, in a similar realm as we were, that were that had fidelity to scriptures, that had the traditional God design of family, have left that space. And uh, they let culture determine what family definitions are. And we don't do that. And um, that makes us very unique in this day and age. On the other side of our work, uh, we specialize in mental health counseling and you know, that's both in communities and dealing with um, just a, the whole realm of, of um, illness that affects people. And most recently, we've taken on a real focus on church worker wellness. And, and that's, that's a rather daunting challenge because, especially in, in states like North Dakota, South Dakota, Iowa, you have a lot of uh, church workers that are isolated, uh, pretty far distant from people. And especially coming out of COVID, uh, trying to live up to everybody's expectations about uh, ministry, um, that particular disease. There's just a, a lot of folks that are really questioning, why am I here and should I be here? In fact, across the Synod, uh, studies have shown that there's huge numbers of church workers aren't sure they'll be in ministry next year. So that's the work that we have chosen. We've begun that work in, in Iowa, South Dakota, and some in North Dakota, uh, dealing with um, 
church workers who we want to be well so they can continue uh, in the parish or in whatever ministry assignment they're in. People that That's a kind of a tough issue, yeah. too, because let's face it, as pastors, we're always encouraging our people to reach out when they're in need and they're struggling spiritually and emotionally, and yet uh, pastors are sometimes the worst patients that they're not willing to do that. We're supposed to be the ones with the answers, not necessarily needing to hear it. And it's really a struggle to be able to be able to meet their needs uh, spiritually and help them understand that, as you say, God's there for the, for our lay people. He's there for us as well. And so that's a real challenge to get them through the door, I think, at times, even though they really need it. It is. Uh, you know, it's one of those things that uh, often we don't go to the doctor until we're very sick and should have went a long time ago. And that very much is true in, in the world of mental health counseling and marriage counseling, which we do a lot of. People often wait till the 11th hour, and that's really a foolish uh a, a foolish um, use of our time. We, we need to be focused on being well. And, and I would put it on this way, Tom, you know, your insurance companies know that if you go get a physical every year, uh, there's a good chance that you're going to be healthy or if there's a problem, they'll catch it early and that'll be much better in terms of treatment and costs. But we don't think about mental health that way, but we should. This idea then of taking the stigma away from a pastor or anybody for that matter, going to see a mental health therapist needs to be gone. Um, there's just a lot of uh, work that can be done with the healthy pastor, the healthy teacher, the healthy DCE in maintaining that health. So we try to encourage everybody to look at it a little differently. It, it can certainly be a crisis uh, support, um, but hopefully it, it's something that we're involved in long before a crisis. Right. Now, one of those things is that with the new technology that we have these days, uh, it's not all face-to-face, in-person. There's other ways that you're able to reach out and help in some of those ways. You were mentioning earlier about our ruralness at times and the isolation and the difficulty getting into a more urban area to be able to do that. And so how are some of the ways that you're using technology to be able to make that available? Yeah, that that really is, in my opinion, one of the blessings of COVID. Um, I can tell you that I kind of saw the opportunity for more distance counseling in the past, but the regulatory world uh, basically said you can only uh, do distance counseling within a state. You can't go into another state. Uh, And for example, a a counselor in Des Moines could not talk to somebody in Bismarck. However, um, and I also had counselors that would say, that's an ineffective method of counseling. I need a couch here. I need a window here. I need uh, my (laughs) office looking just like this. But when COVID came, um, we had to adapt quickly. And I think we found uh, that there is a tremendous blessing in this opportunity of reaching people remotely uh, in this this manner. And we deal with an awful lot of folks now uh, remotely with through you know technology and it's it's uh, it's been very helpful and something we'll never go back from um, and the regulatory world has appreciated the fact that they can't go back to the way they used to look at this there needs to be flexibility in how we meet the needs of people um, and, and there are an awful lot of needs especially in the rural states not just in church workers but farmers uh, you know small business people uh, especially during these economic times it's it's um, it's difficult. And if, if you'll remember back in the 70s and 80s during the farm crisis, uh, farms were being sold. The suicide rate among farmers was going up exponentially. 
the church was pretty late in figuring out, gosh, we ought to do something about that. Um, it, it's really our job, I think, to help make sure uh, that we're in a position to meet the needs of people, especially those that are struggling in whatever. In fact, that is our mission. If, uh, and you asked about it, Tom. We walk with people in need just as Christ has walked with us in ours. Um, we, we know that God does impossible things, and we're just uh, pleased and blessed to be a part of helping people be well. Well, and part of that mission is also seen in your philosophy of how you uh, pay for your services, uh, what type of payment you use for your services, and so forth, which is kind of unique to a lot of RSOs uh, that are giving the very services you're talking about. There's a there's several different RSOs and different organizations that will do some of what you said, maybe not all of it in the manner but reaching out and, and hurting, but the philosophy specifically of Lutheran family service as to how you go about paying for your services, uh, who, you, where you go turn to for that. Basically it's, uh, yeah, th- th- <clears throat> there's a real temptation to accept, um, money from sources that have, uh, strings attached. Uh, for example, uh, we there are several grants that we might go after, but there are, there are conditions that have to be met, and some of those are fine, but some are not. There is federal government money available, and frankly, today a lot of it around mental health uh, issues. But again, there's there's a string, and the string we won't pull or get tied to is the one that says you have to lose your your Jesus witness, your Christian uh, approach to this. So that has made it a little more difficult because our philosophy is, is that, you know, we don't turn people away. So uh, we either accept them for whatever they can pay us on a sliding scale uh, or we have. And this is the primary part of it. About half of our revenue comes from gifts, donations, uh, folks that are engaged with us because they see this as a as an essential work of ministry. And uh, we've been blessed in South Dakota and Iowa District West and East and, and also in North Dakota to have a partnership with the district where folks begin to say through the district um, mission or mercy work, this is important and we need to help support this. But churches uh, really uh, are the, I guess, the bread and butter, if you will, of this mercy work that we do across right. all these states. And many of those uh, support us on a regular basis, or they designate special offerings, or they, you know, take, for example, their Lenten or Advent offerings, and and frankly, a lot of very uh, sure-hearted uh, people um, that see this work or maybe have benefited from it or see the need for it have really stepped up, either with ongoing gifts or thinking about us in terms of a legacy that they want to leave behind. So about half of that money uh, needs to come from from God's uh, provision. And um, the rest of it comes from fees uh, that we that we provide. And we do take, for example, uh, some insurances that, that provide for uh, mental health work. All of our folks that deal in therapy are, are licensed mental health counselors, master level trained. And uh, those are the kind that insurance companies um, support or actually, you know, in terms of right. they, they fund. So it's uh, one of those things that it's a blessing to connect with people because I think it gives them an opportunity to know more about how God uses their gifts in meaningful ways in small town, North Dakota, big city, somewhere else. Um, It doesn't really matter where it's somebody in need and God has an opportunity for them to help touch that person with, with exactly what they need, the gospel and help. 
Well, so that the people of North Dakota understand the North Dakota district, or hopefully a lot of people that are listening to this podcast, uh, the work for this has been going on going for a while. Uh, the district did a little bit of investigation looking into it before the last convention. The last convention encouraged us to uh, look into and begin the ministry, the board of directors of the North Dakota district, a, a task force uh, from, uh, underneath them from the board uh Board of Directors has been looking at working with you, Max, and and some of your leaders. Uh, and so uh, there's a, we're in those beginning stages now. Uh, the district has uh, put aside some monies for it, and now it's beginning the role of getting out that information to the uh, congregations and the pastors, and and hopefully uh, realizing the importance of a lot of what we've been talking about here today. Absolutely, it's it's. Uh... God is good, and uh, and He provides. And, and the vision we have basically is how do we serve as far and as wide as God wants us to. And as you were saying earlier, with technology, um, you know, we can really serve anywhere. But we're pleased to be in in North Dakota. And I'll just give you a quick uh, South Dakota um, mention. You asked about it earlier. We probably are there a couple of years longer than we've been in North Dakota. Um, we've had a chance to work there uh, longer. But I guess the really interesting part is how that all got started. Um, my, one of my district presidents in Iowa had thought LFS, Lutheran Family Service, ought to reach out and deal with the Nebraska district. And actually, we are. We have a, uh, we have a counselor that serves part of Nebraska and two different parts of Nebraska. But I got a call one day from the, from the president of the South Dakota district, President Seiler, and he said, Max, I understand that you guys work with pastors in crisis and and it had been right after uh, Pastor Al Henderson had been uh, had been killed in Fort Dodge, Iowa, by a, a person that was mentally unwell. And I said, "Yeah, we do that." And he said, "Well, I just had a pastor that had a young man in confirmation not show up because he had killed himself." And he said, "We need help." And I said, "Well, I, you know, we'd be happy to. I'll, we'll get there. We'll talk to their family, and we'll deal with uh, the youngster's situation." He said, "No, that that's all probably good. I need help with the pastor. He really is taking this hard, and he's having a difficult time dealing with how God could let this happen." And so, our work in South Dakota began around this uh, pastor that was really struggling with the loss of one of his confirmation students in such a tragic way. We got a chance to work with him, reassure him of the gospel's power uh, to heal and to, and that resurrection joy that we all have. And that's how our work in South Dakota began. And, and from there, it just continues to grow as we deal with, again, folks in crisis. But as we grow out and expand, the, the work really is beginning to focus more on this idea of wellness um, and not only for the mental health outside, but for adoptions as well. The majority of adoptions today take place on a for-profit basis. Somebody, uh, a lawyer brokers these things or some agency accomplishes these things. Um, that's another area where we serve in a way that um, is different than others. And I'll just give you one example. Um, Down syndrome children these days are a huge risk. Um, as soon as they're identified in the womb, in the United States, about 75% are, are aborted um, almost immediately. In Europe, 95%. We have a special program where we encourage uh, Down syndrome adoption. And if you've ever been around a Down syndrome child, you know what a joy they are, what a blessing uh, they are to people. And this idea that the culture says that life isn't worth it. 
um, that's that's what we try to disprove um, every day. And certainly those lives at risk, is, it's a great joy to, to show God's uh, protection and, and strength there. Well, that's a, that's a topic that's very sensitive to myself and my family. Uh, my wife, Sarah, has been very much involved in, uh, with adults. And I know that the terminology has changed over time, but developmentally disabled adults or, or whatever the terminology is for today, and I don't mean to be misusing the terminology, but sure. uh, her entire uh, work life was around that. And to know that these precious lives that she worked with day in and day out uh, are now being seen as not worth that to be be around is, is a very hard reality that we're dealing with in society. So it's very uh, encouraging to know that that's one of the things that Lutheran Family Services uh, really taking seriously. And and it is, when we, we talk about life, we talk about life. And, and there's all kinds of ways that we can do that. Well, one of the encouraging things over the next several weeks, uh, we're going to have an opportunity to talk to several of the special people that work with Max. And uh, I believe Max would uh, say the same thing I do. Uh, when you got a great staff, they make you look good. <laughs> and uh, I know that uh, over the last several months, I've had a great opportunity uh, working with the task force to have the opportunity to meet a lot of those uh, special people that work with and for Max. So we're really looking forward to the opportunity to share their roles and their ministries with you as well. And and probably uh, after we go through that whole list and we go through that, probably bring back Max again and we'll talk some more about some of those things. And uh, so we're, we're really excited and, and to have Lutheran Family Service with us here in North Dakota, working with the North Dakota District, the Board of Directors, and uh, and that as well. So as we close today, Max, any last words of encouragement or thoughts that you'd like to share? Yeah, uh, I'll share some encouragement, but first a plea. Um, if you have in mind someone who is a mental health therapist with a master's degree in North Dakota, that uh, would would like to work for a obviously a very Lutheran organization uh, and to, to allow and incorporate their faith in their in their counseling, uh, we'd love to hear from from you or through through Tom or whoever. We'd like to talk to that person. The other part of it is we are in real need of an adoption counselor worker in North Dakota. State of North Dakota is easy to work with in terms of getting an adoption license, but you have to have a worker. We haven't been successful yet in finding some. So if someone's listening tonight and the Holy Spirit puts on your heart that this might be something to think about, um, boy, we'd love to hear from you and um, and see what God might have in mind. The encouragement is this. Um, you know what? God has given us uh, an opportunity here to um, celebrate His work and to understand that the gospel heals. And when you couple that with, with mercy and the work that we do in, in serving our neighbor in need, uh, it's an exciting time for the church. And it's a time really for the church to step up and not allow these things only to be done by agencies of the state or agencies of the culture, which, which uh, don't know Christ or don't really um, uh, can't see any power in him. We do, and it's the power of God, and that's what we do. So the encouragement is uh, for North Dakotans, uh, we're glad to be there, and we're excited to come and visit. In fact, I think I'm uh, I'm going to be there coming up in October. I get to preach three times, and uh, that's an exciting thing, and then be at an LWML rally somewhere. So looking forward to seeing some of you, and uh, maybe more as time goes on. 
Well, excellent. Uh, we want to thank uh, Reverend Max Phillips for spending some time with us today and sharing uh, his background and also the work and ministry of Lutheran Family Service, their connectivity to the state of North Dakota. It's an exciting thing to realize that as we live out that life of faith that God has blessed us, that there are so many ways that we can put into action the faith that God blessed us at our baptism and con- continues to encourage us through word and sacrament and and the joy that we can walk together as uh, people of faith and uh, demonstrate to the world around us that faith isn't just what we say, but it's also how we live out that faith. And Lutheran Family Service is one of those organizations, and we're looking forward in the next several weeks uh, to hear more about the work of Lutheran Family Service. And as you uh, end tonight, we uh, ask the Lord's blessings be with you and continue living out that life of faith that he has blessed you with. Lord's blessings. Thanks for joining us on our Living the Faith podcast this week. This podcast is a ministry of Zion Lutheran Church in Bismarck, North Dakota. To contact us, learn more, or for more resources on our journey this year, please visit zionbismarck.org or find us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, or YouTube. This podcast was made possible by a grant from Lutheran Church Extension Fund. We thank them for their support. Please join me in prayer as we begin our new week. Blessed Lord, you have caused all Holy Scriptures to be written for our learning. Grant that we may so hear them, read, mark, learn, and inwardly digest them, that by patience and comfort of your Holy Word, we may embrace and ever hold fast the blessed hope of everlasting life. Jesus Christ, your Son, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. Thank you for listening. Tuning next time as we continue learning how God's truth in the Scriptures applies to our daily life. God bless your reading this week.